All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Until then, adios. Conversations from the Dark Side. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this, the fourth and final edition of Conversations from the Dark from the Dark Side in 2023. I'm your good buddy, your good pal, Amigo Aaron, joined by a man with a diabolical plan. Please welcome Jack Flack himself, Rob Flack O'Hara. Hey, what's uh, going on, everybody? It's uh, we are at the the final. We're at the end uh, of the shows. We're at the Halloween. We're at the end of uh, the spooky season. I hope everybody has uh, enjoyed all the shows up until now. And um, uh, we've also got uh, Mr. Uh, John Bodekar Schaller hanging out here in the uh, the rear of the haunted house. I don't know what the what the rear room of the haunted that house seems would be. appropriate for you, Boat. You're in the boat. You're in the, you're in the, <laughs> how's it feel to be in the rear end well, of the haunted house, Boat? <laughs> you know, it, it sure beats being the rear end of the horse. I that's, can tell you that. Yeah, not a good. That's not a good Halloween costume. You know, before we get too deep in tonight's uh, into tonight's chatter, you know, uh, this is going to go out right before Halloween, twenty twenty three. Are are you guys dressing up for Halloween this year? And are you going to parties or anything like that, Flack? Uh, I am not going to parties. I am probably going to dress up. Uh, I have not come up with a costume yet. I've got a couple things. I got this. uh, I bought a mechanics, uh, like a jumpsuit, you know, which is kind of looks like something that uh, uh, Jason might wear or something like that. So I think it could be used for that kind of costume, which is scary. It could also be used as the guy that gives you the repair repair bill on your car, which can also be scary. And that's so, that's real world really super just, scary right there, as far as I'm concerned, man. I don't know. But yeah, you know what? Uh, it's it's uh, important to me to keep the tradition of trick-or-treating alive. I don't know if that will continue throughout our lives or our kids' lives. It seems like every year um, it was going down for a while. And then it kind of it's kind of making a comeback, so I don't know. But that's important to me is on Halloween is to, you know, be here at the house and, and give out candy. And and as long as kids show up for candy, I'm going to keep giving it out. Very good. Very good. And, Bo, do you have any Halloween-ish activities coming well, up? So the, the big event for me is always costume day at school. Yeah. And uh, I, oh. sort of, I, I sort of uh, already kind of overplayed my hand <laughs> because we had Grill Dad Day during uh, Spirit Week uh, last month, and I wore my Fred Flintstone shirt, oh, which yeah. would have been a great Halloween costume. But I was like, you know what? That seems like... And then my kids told me that Grill Dad is like some sort of weird internet meme, and I didn't know what it was. And I admitted that I didn't know what it was. And so I also have a big Lebowski sweater. <clears throat> and I was thinking, man, I could roll into school wearing some sweats and the Lebowski sweater and put a little like protein shake in a, in a cup and it looks just like a white Russian. And then I thought, well, boy, I might get fired. That's a, <laughs> so, I was wondering I if you lost your mind, that. Boat. That's what I was just thinking to myself. <laughs> oh, Boat's gone insane. You can't do that anymore, Boat. 
You know, although it's yeah. funny, I just watched that movie last night. Uh, it's the perfect Halloween viewing. Not really, but it's I just, so good. It's so good. <laughs> I love it. Do, do you guys? Did you dress up? Did you have uh, Halloween like when you were a kid uh, going to school? Did you have Halloween costumes? Do you remember any of those? Mine all sucked. You know, Halloween <laughs> was different in the seventies. All right, unless you were making like I've seen your old outfits black, and your mom was making the, the Chewbacca and the, all Stormtrooper, all cool stuff. Like my mom, like worked a full-time job and went to school and my dad worked a full-time job and, and so i didn't even try to get that done it was the old go down to rite aid to pick up the thing in the box you know i'd get to pick out the smock yeah. of the ear, you know <clears throat> and so i remember going to like you know batman and i think one year i went like richie rich which is whole that's particularly <laughs> hilarious when you buy a thing that costs like four bucks uh, you know, and it wasn't until I got into high school where I started, like, trying to make my own outfits. You know, I went, like, everyone goes as a bum. I did that one year, you know, because mm. my clothes were perfect for that. Still are. Uh, but, no, I, you know, I had, a, a, like, a cavalcade of just, like, the old box. You know, like Bucko just mentioned, the old Ben Cooper, Drazi. I used, those are the ones I had, and, I, and you wore them one time. <clears throat> you never wore them again because they were pretty much trashed. And uh, one thing's for sure, when you wore them, you could not see anything uh, out of your periphery because they, they were the most dangerous, easily to catch on fire costumes ever made. So, yeah. When I, but, but we did wear stuff to school. It just, they, it sucked. You know, in um, uh, sixth grade, I had two very good friends and I had a teacher that constantly referred to us as the Three Stooges. And so what we decided we would do is for Halloween... Uh, we would dress up as the Three Stooges. And I, I felt like, maybe, I don't know if everybody feels like this. I felt like I was the leader of the three friends, you know? So that I should definitely be Mo. And <laughs> we looked at each other, and they were like, ah, you should definitely be Curly. I was like, well, I, well, I, don't, I don't understand, you know? Everyone <laughs> thinks later they're understood. Mo. That's the problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> but here's the thing. Uh, it turns out that sixth graders have no idea how to dress like the Three Stooges. Like, I, we, we just put on button down shirts and the thing is we didn't do anything with our hair um so, so we were just like three guys and buttoned down like we looked like the pet boys or something like that. We just <laughs> like three guys in, in shirts you know and like a three businessmen and we were like we're the three stooges and nobody got it and then later I, you know looking back i think yeah no there's there's a reason um, nobody got it. I do remember did the... Did you guys work out in a routine or anything? You know, like the I old... I mean, we stand? did, sure. Sure, you know, we had we had our little... Uh, you know, then people got it. You know, we did our... The curly shuffle or whatever. I have a picture of me uh, with the costume that I wore to kindergarten, which was... Uh, I was a ghost. And I was wearing... My mom made this costume for me, and it was a white... It was kind of tailored, but it was, a you know, basically a white sheet... But it kind of went around my head and then came in at the neck and then went back out. And then around my neck, my mom tied this green rope really tight and then in a knot. And so when I see those memes online that say like, hey, I'm so old. I remember, you know, I used a phone with a cord or whatever. And I think I'm so old that I had a, like, I'm old enough that we wore Halloween costumes where parents tied a rope around your neck in a knot and thought that was a good idea for a five-year-old. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's amazing we didn't come across multiple atrocities in the street. Just kids on fire, kids hung from trees, you know. But I mean, I, kids were tough. They made it, you know. A trick or treat. I, we sort of touched on this last year, but uh, trick or treat was later. It was less. There were less parents in the mix than there are now. And, uh, and there were, t- for me in this neighborhood anyway, there were tons and tons more kids than I see now. I just don't see as many kids. I don't know if there's just less kids or there are less kids that are trick-or-treating. I don't know what it is. Uh, but it was like a herds of kids. As far as the eye can see, it was great. You know, you were ha- you were out there to have a good time. And it, I kind of feel bad for the kids now because now me and Luke, we went around, which last year was his last year, I think. Uh, we uh, made our rounds. We got our candy. And then we hoofed it back. There was no, like, there wasn't that much mingling with the other kids. Or really, he don't think he even paid attention to the other kids' costumes. You know, none of that stuff. Uh, and, you know, and it was almost like a chore. I felt, I mean, he he told me last year was his last one. You know, so that was kind of sad, too. Yeah. But I don't know. It seems like Halloween has been a, become a bigger deal for the adults and less a big deal for the kids. Oh, do you remember the last year that you trick-or-treated? Like, there was a certain, you got to a Absolutely. certain age. Yeah, I it was that. my sophomore year of high school, and uh, and we we went around. I remember it was it was me and and some of my buddies from the band, and uh, and one of the girls that went with us. She was dressed up as Marilyn Monroe, and she was gorgeous. Uh, as one of the girls in the band, and um, but yeah, and it was it was just one of those things where it wasn't like, man, this is going to be our last year. But I think that was the last year that none of us could drive. When you drive, everything changes. As yeah, you yeah, yeah. When you can drive, well, I, it's all different. My um, uh, in Oklahoma, of course, uh, you could get a motorcycle license at fourteen, and so I had a buddy named Lewis who also had a motorcycle, and so the uh, uh, our birthdays were late. So the the following year, I would have been fifteen on Halloween, and he worked at a. Um, like a feed store, you know, and he got mm-hmm. the night off for Halloween. And so we said, uh, so first of all, we decided we were going to dress up as the blues brothers, which <laughs> neither one of us had a black suit and a black hat. So I had a blue, um, like denim jacket. And then, uh, I don't know, a hat that my mom probably got from a garage sale. And then Lewis showed up wearing a jacket and like a fedora, like a like a Panama Jack, like a straw hat, and had painted his face like a ghost. And I was like, "What oh, are you I doing?" I thought you were going to say that he went in blackface. Oh, <laughs> like, oh no, boy. no, different, different, different Halloween. So the so we met with our motorcycles, and that was our plan: was to drive around on our motorcycles to go trick or treating, like do a block and then move, you know. And so we met up and we drove to this neighborhood and we parked and we went up to the first house and we knocked and the guy opened the door and he goes, aren't you guys a little old for this? And we just stood there and I went, yeah, like it just hit me at that one moment. I go, I think we are, you know, and we just went and got on our motorcycles and went home. You know, like I was thinking you had to take off work to go trick or treating. Like I think, I think this is over for us. So it had never hit me until that exact moment, you know, when that guy just kind of confronted us and said, you know, I I think this might be it. And I was like, yeah, I I think you're right. Like when you can, when you can go to the store and buy your own candy, I think it's over, you know? Yeah, the sad thing and is, that's, you know, I, that's another thing too. And, and ahead, you've Bo. talked about this before, 
is that you know I think it's the, the the big thing that's different with kids these days is that candy is just readily available. You know, like when we were kids, candy was not something that you could just reach into the cabinet and grab. You know, it wasn't like there was endless supplies of candy. I have a feeling for a lot of kids these days, if they want to get candy, their parents have got a stash of candy somewhere twenty four seven, and then they they can get it. So that probably has something to do with the lack of enthusiasm with kids as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you nailed it, Boat. Uh, I think that yeah. you might be onto something there because I, I, there, I, I remember as a kid like getting a candy bar or something was a. I mean, God, we sound old, but it's both younger than us. But it's true, candy is much more readily available than it was. One trip down the Dollar mm. Tree, you can load up. You know, there's been candy here all week for two weeks, and we've been nibbling on it. You know, the tree picked up. Uh, another part of it, it I think, um, I think that I, uh, kids hung with it longer. I mean, I, I, you know, I was out trick or treating. I kid you not. I know I went out. I was either 15 or 16 when I stopped. I, w- I went out that year, and mm. I didn't give a crap because I wanted candy. And it was also I looked forward to it every year. It was like a kid holiday. And I don't know if kids look at it the same way. Uh, I mean, the, my boy gets excited to wear a costume, but I don't necessarily think the act of trick-or-treating does, is, like, a huge deal for him. You know, I, I still... We get a few older kids, and when we get older kids, I will give out candy to them. Like, I don't cut off people. But I they got to be in a costume. Like, sometimes you get the older kids, and they just show up, and they're just dressed, and I go, what, what, are you, what are you doing? Like, no, you know? And I'll tell you what bugs me is when the parents... <laughs> like you give the candy to the kids and the parents did there. They're like, Oh, you got any Reese's in there? I'm like, uh, <laughs> go to big lots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's low end right there for sure. Yeah. Now as adults, as we allegedly are, uh, when did you stop the, uh, when did you stop going to the old, uh, Halloween parties or do you still go the big drunken, you know, I, I used to go to some, like tear it down style Halloween parties, especially as I was, you know, moved down my into my twenties and thirties. I used to, I used to hold some big parties, and then my friends just stopped having parties, and then there is no party for me anyway. Is that? Do you find that your friends are still doing the parties? Have you thrown one recently? I, mean, you, I remember the last time I threw one. Stranger Things that just came out because we built we built the the sheet with the letters on it and all the Christmas lights. Remember that stick? <laughs> so that could it wasn't too long ago. It was a fairly successful party, but man, I don't think I've been to one after that. Are you guys still getting out there into the party scene? No. See that well the thing is I think what happens is you go to the party scene and then you have kids or the people who were throwing the party had kids and then it all stops for a long time. But now my kids just moved out. My friends' kids have moved out. So we may we may bring it back. You know, it may be something that we start doing the last big Halloween party that we had was um, uh, my buddy Jeff threw it and this was right after Blair Witch and uh, what we did was we went and got rolls of butcher paper and put them on the walls and then we put our hands in red paint and put all these handprints on the wall <laughs> and we made the little you know uh, Blair Witch stickmen and, and hung them on things and it was uh, it was really great. And when he took the butcher paper off, we found where the paint had soaked through. 
man. Not good. <laughs> ah. Remnants of red handprints on the wall. So it was definitely a, a spooky Halloween, to be sure. <laughs> Boat, are you doing any uh, partying? Or, and, you know, Boat is a guy that throws parties. I don't know. Have you have you thrown a Halloween party recently, well, Boat? You know, when, when I was in college, you guys might not know this, but mm-hmm. Athens, Ohio is recognized as having the largest Halloween celebrations in the country. That's, oh, a, that's a fact. I, I did not know. I knew, you know, we were just no. talking last week that that area was sort of had a reputation for the paranormal, but I didn't realize they yeah. actually, that yeah. was part of and it. So when I was in college, the, Halloween was the biggest event of the year. And you always went uptown and you always, it was, it was, it was crazy time all the time. Um, these days... I feel like, I don't know, it's weird. You're talking about how like it's a bigger deal for the adults now than it was for the kids, but I scan a lot of old pictures for people, and like there's tons of like grown-ups getting down and funky during Halloween back in the 70s. Like that was definitely a thing that grown-ups, like grown-up Halloween parties were definitely going on back then. So that's not a new thing for, for older folks to dress up and stuff. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't be against throwing a Halloween party. Um, like you said, the last one I went to was at your place, and it was cool. It was right. It seems like it was right after you built the arcade because the arcade. Oh was yeah, still, I forgot about that. Yeah, you know, you could go in there, and it was like it was like an arcade, and um, it was it was a good party. It was a good, and you had the fire outside and everything. So I, I think you want to have, but the biggest problem is that we just don't have any other friends. You know, all well, our friends are just the same guys. Well, you know? I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> you know, I used to have parties. In, in Lexington when I lived there. And it would be a drunken, debaucherous mayhem. That's the way I like them, by the way. And then when I moved here and had parties, they were they were more like tipsy. They're, the debauchery had been watered down to, like, a slightly risque. And then after a <laughs> while, my, the Halloween parties consisted of the people that come to Taze Bike Class Computer Club wearing goofy outfits. And then eventually they just exactly. started wearing costumes. So it was basically like just having another Taste Valley Classic Computer Club meeting, you know, except it was people said boo, I guess. would be the only difference. (laughs) So it's kind of a bummer. You know, now I feel bad for not having a big throwdown. So that means next year we've got to plan something, and then we'll just do the conversations from the dark side live from the party. That might be kind of fun. Oh, that's a great idea. You know, before we move along, I've been looking at some of the stuff in the – that we that there are chatters have been saying here. I wanted to mention a couple of things that I re, I read in here. Uh, one of the things I had to laugh. Uh, ben six 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 said he once gave sweets to a kid and a Bacardi breezer to his older sister, who had clearly been made to take her brother around to the houses. <laughs> so he's giving out booze <laughs> over there, which I think that's funny. Uh, Texas Foosball says his kids are super stoked for Halloween every year, and they really get into it. And they love it over there. So it's good to see that they're kicking that out over there. Um, <clears throat> Buck Owens, we were talking about how little candy we got back in the day. He says he got one candy one candy item per week at the grocery store, and he got a comic book. Not too bad. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Draz says that chalk, chocolate candy was gold. I agree with you on that. I had a couple people yeah. in here, like uh, a couple guys said that when they were kids, they did, their family was just stripped and had the money. 
to get them costumes. And I will say, I listen. I, I can I understand where you're coming from there, uh, and uh, uh, you know, I there were it was always tough. And you know, times were times get tough on people, and it's tough on the kids the most. They remember that stuff. So hopefully, all the people that had trouble back in their in their childhood that missed out on Halloween are kicking it in now. Uh, that we're can you, guys, uh, can you guys still feel the 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 pain of sticking your tongue through a little hole in one of those plastic masks? That feeling is still so evocative <laughs> to me. When you yeah. strap one of those things, and you're like, "Man, I'm back and fit it through." Great it when you pull it back in, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, right. yeah. It's funny. It's I didn't know if you'd actually gotten. Of course, both there's that classic footage of your uh, of you at Halloween, as I recall. Uh, that we right. played the last Batman year. Costume. Yeah, uh, but you know, uh, I was looking here at the, what people dressed up as, and I see Casper, a bum, and Evil Knievel. I think I probably went as Knievel back in the day. Uh, I was always I liked vampires. I'm sure that was another one I did. So uh, you know, hey, we. All, it's funny that there's a shared consciousness when it comes to Halloween, a shared experience uh, that we all sort of got more or less back in the day. Now, with all that said. Uh, we're going to take a quick pause here. When we come back, we're going to get in straight-up ghost story action here. Uh, Jack Flack has assembled some winners here. We've got some other stuff to get into. It should be a good time, so stick around. After the break, we will get into it hard and heavy. This is Conversations from the Dark Side. You are experiencing Conversations from the Dark Side. And we're back with Conversations with the Dark Side. Myself, Rob, Flack O'Hara, and the spookiest of the bunch, John Bodekar Schaller. He's unseen, but he's around, all ever-present. Tonight, Flack, uh, you put together what I would call a macabre menu of scary experiences and ghost stories. And we're going to kick that off. Uh, what have you brought to the table tonight, Flack? Well, you know, the first thing, you know, we, we of course, uh, we wanted to talk, tell some, some ghost stories and some spooky stories. And I wanted to tell you about a local hotel that you guys probably have not heard of. It is the Skirvin Plaza. Uh, the Skirvin Plaza is in downtown Oklahoma City. It is uh, Oklahoma's oldest hotel. It was built in 1911. Um what right off the bat I, I mean this seems like a spooky sign but it's made up of three towers and each of the towers has 13 floors so i don't, I don't know just seems like a, a odd design to begin with you know but uh, the skirvin is one of those really old style hotels you have got the big fancy woodwork you've got um you know the little like they have the little um chaise lounges outside of the rooms like a little sitting area before you go into your room so it's really old style um uh you know kind of fancy but there is an old uh rumor ever since uh that the square as long as i've been around uh that the skirvin is haunted and uh, a lot of people have reported hearing weird things at the Skirvin, uh, seeing things, experiencing doors open and closing and things like that. There is one particular room that is supposed to be more haunted than the others. It is room 1015. Uh, the original owner of the Skirvin, his name was W.B. Skirvin. Bad and apparently name. he... 
Yeah, he had an affair with um, uh, a maid whose name was Effie. And uh, they uh, apparently room 1015 was where they met to have their torrid affair. And uh, she ended up getting pregnant. And uh, there's no... um, uh, essentially what happened is she, for some unknown reason, leapt out of the window of room 1015 to her death. Uh, and so ever since then, people uh, who stay in room 1015 claim to uh, hear crying, a baby crying in the middle of the night or some, uh, you know, there, there's all kinds of spooky things that go on. But what's really interesting about the Skirvin Plaza is that because it is right downtown, it is right across from the uh, uh, the uh, building that they built, the stadium for our NBA team, uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. And so when visiting teams come to Oklahoma City, a lot of times they stay at the Skirvin Plaza. And so in 2010, the New York Knicks, who were, uh, you know, <laughs> had a m- much higher rating than the Oklahoma City Thunder at the time, uh, got beat really bad by the Oklahoma City Thunder. And afterwards, they said, you know, we couldn't get any sleep in that hotel. That place is haunted. They said there's all kinds of noise and things <laughs> like that. And so this kind of became a thing in uh, that same year, the Chicago Bulls. Uh, also said they reported that their doors were slamming shut and there were strange sounds and it was all blamed on, uh, you know, ghosts at the Skirvin Plaza. Um, the uh, uh, In 2012, the Miami Heat said the same thing. There was a, uh, we have a lot of uh, uh, um, women's softball here and women's basketball tournaments here. And in 2013, the Baylor Lady Bears came here they were by far they were the the um uh champions they were the previous champions and they were by far favored to win this tournament and they got knocked out by uh, another team it is listed as one of the biggest upsets in women's basketball and they blamed it on the Skirvin plaza they said that place is terrible we can't get any sleep there was there's cold drafts and weird things so a lot of sports teams uh, that come and stay in downtown oklahoma city uh there was actually a rumor that when teams would call and they didn't know where to stay, that Oklahoma City places would tell them to stay at the Skirvin in hopes that they would have <laughs> a bad stay uh, downtown. And by the way, uh, it is known, everybody here knows it at the Skirvin Plaza, but it has been purchased a couple of times and it is now officially the Skirvin Hilton Hotel. So it is a official Hilton Hotel downtown, but everybody still calls it uh, the Skirvin Plaza. Um there was a time when uh, uh, the Brooklyn Nets came here, and that was when uh, uh, Kyrie Irving was on the team, and uh, uh, he had such a terrible night's sleep. He said he was haunted by nightmares, and Kyrie Irving said he's going to produce a documentary about how haunted the Skirvin is. So that hasn't uh, happened yet, but but there may be a documentary about the Skirvin Plaza uh, coming out one of these days. That'd be interesting to say. I will tell you that for my wife's, uh, for our 10th wedding anniversary, uh, instead of going out of town or going to do something, we just decided to get a hotel room somewhere 
and we ended up getting a room at the Skirvin Plaza. And so uh, I was very excited. Kind of, you know, like he he kind of hoped that something haunted happens or whatever. And we didn't see any ghosts or have anything. The closest we saw to a ghost was in the morning. We went down to the breakfast thing and Vince Neal from Motley Crue was down there having breakfast. So that was uh, the closest to anything, anything scary we saw. But, um, uh, yeah, so we, uh, we didn't have a a scary experience at the Skirvin, but I I was kind of hoping to. So, um, (laughs) I'll just. Wonder if, if you guys have any, um, you know, any local hotels or anything like that. Do you have anything around there I, up that way? That- I will say before we get into that, I have heard the tales about the sports team because a bit of sports Ooh. guy. This made the rounds, and it's one of the, probably one of the biggest ghost stories in the history of sports. This hotel, so there is something <laughs> to that. Now, if I'm a team that is favored to win, and I go in there and get stomped. I'm going to start looking around for a good scapegoat, and the ghost hotel is as good as any. But still, mm-hmm. that is, it is, there is something to it uh, because it, it, you know, it happened over and over. A boat, ghost hotels. Any thoughts? Well, there's that place up in Point Pleasant that you and Tree stayed at, right? That place is supposed to be the haunted. The Lowell. Yeah, that one. Yeah. We have a, uh, in fact, it's funny. Uh, for those that listen to, uh, conversations last week when i talked to tree uh, uh, about her uh recent exploits she, they just filmed a show in point pleasant uh it was actually uh, two weekends ago uh for i uh, for national tv somewhere and they were invest there was a mothman investigation but one of the things they were doing was investigating the um very haunted allegedly low hotel uh the low is so old that they used to use uh, secret passages that run from the bottom of it to the river to uh, smuggle in bootleg liquor. You know, it's been around for a long time, and by American standards of old. We have to pre- you have to preface that, given the listening audience. But by our standards, it's a pretty old hotel. I've, I've investigated that hotel. I've been up and down the hotel. There's large chunks of it that are just in ruin, that just never got around to fixing. So they just are just trashed all a year round but they're slowly getting through it it's got a beautiful like uh, marble uh staircase and there's a big jade there's a bunch of jade down in the in the uh, foyer and the, when there's a big chandelier it's beautiful when you walk into it the problem is the owners are real tyrants i guess the ghost hunters really bug them and the mothman people because they mm. they're real tough when people <clears throat> try to go in there uh and they're i mean even the people when tree was back filming they had express written permission to be in there and still got hassled by the front desk chick. So if anyone haunts that joint, it's the very angry management. But you can imagine being in downtown Point Pleasant. And, I mean, you're not dealing with the average uh, overnight stayers. I mean, you've got the goofiest freak boys and girls all descending on your town, especially around the Mothman Festival. So, But, I mean, it is a beautiful hotel. Uh, I'm trying to think if I've ever been in any other... Out- I was in the Anchorage, uh, which is up uh, just outside of Parkersburg, uh, and the Anchorage is a, was a, a club. It was a hotel. It's been a bunch of other things uh, in its uh, existence. It's a pretty creepy place. Uh, we did some EVPs, electro, electric, electronic voice phenomena recordings in the basement of it. Uh, we had to we had to find a secret door to get into the basement. It was a real weird place. And uh, got down in there, and it was it was pretty creepy. 
uh, I would say. I would not, would I say it was haunted? No, I didn't, you know, I didn't see a ghost or, or experience anything, but other people have. Uh, so those are the two that, that come to mind. And, uh, and from my experience, I know Lexington's got a haunted hotel that is downtown, but I don't think I was ever in it. I heard rumors about it. I guess every town has some sort of little, you know, some sort of hotel that has a story. I mean, boat. You've been. You've lived everywhere. Uh, boat. Is this something? Have you heard tales when you went to different countries and stuff about, you know, haunted this or spooky? Oh that? yeah. Well, I mean, in in Thailand, the way that they view the supernatural is totally different than the way that we do. I mean, they they are accepting of the supernatural in a way that we are not where it's sort of taken as a matter of course that there are spirits and there are ghosts and there are things that are out there that are just there, you know, and it's just, that's just, that's just, it's as real as you and me. And so, um, you know, Eep has told me some stories about when, you know, like her mom seeing things in the jungle because, you know, in back in the day, uh, you know, when it, you had to get up in the middle of the night to do your business, you went out to the jungle, <laughs> yeah. you know, and uh, and she remembers seeing lights in the jungle, and this is decades before electricity made its way out that way. Things like that, and of course the whole spirit house thing, which I think we've talked about before on conversations from the dark dark side, where uh, they uh, you know people erect these these houses, these miniature almost dollhouse like houses in front of their houses, mm, yeah. is a way to attract the spirits to come and stay there and sort of haunt these little houses rather than haunt their actual houses. Pretty pretty neat. You know, it's you mentioned something there when you're uh, and maybe this is happening to you, Flack. I don't know how often you camp, but I think you went. Uh, seems like you mentioned you've gone camping a lot, but at some point back in the day. There's not a, a spookier experience than being in the in the woods somewhere and seeing a light up on a hill or hearing something off in the distance. And you can see how spooky things were written or why people uh, uh, back in the before, in the olden days found religion or whatnot very quickly because you're that is a chilling effect especially and when you're a modern person you're used to that sort of thing. That's one thing, but you can imagine someone seeing dancing lights on the hillside or hearing a weird scream out in the woods uh, that was, uh, you know, a pioneer or a, a fur trapper or something. It would be, <laughs> you know, I've been in the woods and seen lights, you know, the old fire on the mountain. I've seen that before uh, several places. Mm. And you never, you know, could it be someone up there with a lantern? Sure. You know, but whoever it is, they're in, it's in the middle of the night, and they're at the top of that mountain with a light. Like, why are they up there? Who are they? You know, it's creepy stuff. My uh, uh, grandpa and uncle, they split uh, a big area of land, and, and since my grandpa passed away, my uncle has it all. But it's uh, about 200 acres in southeast Oklahoma. And I can tell you for a fact that being out in the woods during the day is different than being out in the woods at night. It is a whole different ball game, you know, and when that sun starts going down and the shadows start stretching out across things and you start thinking that you might have seen something, you know, whether or not you saw something move or whatever, it's different, you know? So Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, between, you know, when it comes to the getting back to the hotel situation, uh, if you go into a hotel that you know is haunted, it, I wonder if it doesn't, uh, 
taint your mind a little bit to the experience. Because, uh, I mean, I always, normally, if I go to a place to investigate it, I assume it's haunted. I don't know if I've ever personally been in a hotel that I didn't have any idea was haunted and got scared about a haunting. So I will say, so I guess by that definition, I've never had any experiences in a hotel. Well, I have. And oh. that's uh, the next thing that's on my list is the Midland Railroad Hotel, which is located uh, up in Kansas. This is a hotel that if you Google it, is listed as one of the most haunted hotels uh, in Kansas. But we didn't know that. Now, this is a story that um, Boat could probably relate to. Uh, when uh, a few years ago, when our daughter was in high school band, uh, we got an offer from another school that said they would give us their old band props. Uh, and all we had to do for like the, uh, you know, the football, uh, you know, the big presentation, right? Uh, yeah, for uh, the halftime shit. Yes. And all we had to do was come get them. And of course, as parents of band uh, uh, participants, <laughs> You're, you're supposed to uh, volunteer a certain amount of hours, but basically we found out that if we would drive to Kansas, pick this stuff up and come home, that we would be off the hook. <laughs> yeah. So that's, we yeah, you you are, you are, this is every band parent is waiting for an opportunity <laughs> like this, that you can knock everything out at once. And we jumped on it. So we, um, uh, drove. And uh, my wife found a uh, a hotel to stay at, which turned out to be the Midland Railroad Hotel, which if you look it up like on Yelp, it says two things. Number one, it says most haunted hotel in Kansas. And the second line says free Wi-Fi. So I, <laughs> I was like, well, there's a little something, <laughs> something for everybody. Right. And so... Um, but the thing was that, uh, to be 100% honest with you, we did not know that this place uh, was supposedly haunted when we stayed there. And again, it was one of these uh, old style hotels. It's a three story hotel, you know, so it's it's a, a more of a large square building. It's not like a, a new high rise type hotel, it's an old, old building. And, um, uh, we, uh, we didn't, we didn't have any, you know, hear any odd sounds. We didn't experience anything, you know, uh, spooky or anything like that. We, we had a, a great night's sleep. It was a very nice place to stay. Uh, and the following morning when we woke up, uh, room service came, someone knocked on the door to drop off uh, room service. And I turned to my wife, I said, Oh, did you, did you order breakfast room service or something? And she said, no, I didn't. And I said, and then she looked at me, I go, I didn't do anything, you know? And so I got out of bed and I went and opened the door and there was nobody there. And I was like, did you hear somebody at the door? She said, yeah, somebody totally knocked on the door, you know? And I kind of looked up and down the hallway and I didn't see anybody. So, you know, there's a lot of explanations for that, you know? And, and we, I didn't think anything about it at the time, you know? Did you hear them uh, say room service? Is that, was that... No, just heard someone knock on the door, you I know, think. and so we just assumed that it must have been, you know, that was my assumption that, that that somebody was bringing breakfast or the bill or something, you know, and so uh, later as we were checking out or whatever, the 
a person said, uh, you know, did you have any, uh, uh, you know, they, they had like flyers about it being haunted. And I think she said something about it. I was like, I had no idea this is supposedly haunted. Uh, but I looked up online and there's a story about how this hotel is haunted and supposedly it is haunted by a small orphan girl. Uh, who lives on the third floor, which happened to be where we were. And they said, many people have reported hearing knocks on the walls and doors by this orphan ghost girl. <laughs> and I was like, do you think there was a ghost that knocked on our door this morning? I don't know who knocked on our door. We didn't see anybody out in the hallway. So I, I have no explanation to that. I really have no explanation as to what happened there but um but it was funny you know it wasn't like beforehand that we knew the story and we were waiting to hear something and say hey that was a ghost knock i didn't know anything about the story until after the knock and after we had left so it was kind of a a strange experience was it a ghost was it the wind rattling the door did some kid run by and knock on the door and run off i don't know i i i didn't see all i can tell you is when i opened the door there was nobody out in the hallway when I went out. You know, there. I'll tell you, I think I can speak from Bo, for boat when I say this. I am all for a ghost that orders room service. If that is, if that's a yeah. thing, <laughs> I'm yeah. down. You can haunt my hotel room every night, brother. <laughs> Set me up. Yeah. That's that's you know, creepy we, stuff right there. It's, it's they, like I said, the way you deliver that. I mean, you, it's so it's it's a mundane act that just. But you here you are all these years later still thinking about it. So it's one of those things that you don't hit doesn't hit you at the time, but you have time to think to mull it over, you know. <laughs> so now you wonder what the hell was that? You know, you're you're right though. I mean, as kids, we heard all these ghost stories: the guy with the hook hand, or uh, uh, what was it, Bloody Mary, who would appear. Uh, in the mirror, you know, the decap the decapitated head of Bloody Mary and all this. But that's what I want is one that delivers waffles. Like if I could get that ghost that shows up in my hotel room, I'm okay with that one. I, that's a haunting I will take. You know, uh, before we move on here, uh, uh, we got a actual uh, voicemail. I can't believe it uh, on the on the line here, and I want to play. Hey, this. All right. And this is from uh, your good buddy, uh, Drazi there. Hey, Aaron. It's Drazu. How you doing, man? I think I got a tale for you. When I was a little boy, my grandparents lived in Cleveland, and they had a very old house. Um, the, they had a bathroom on, only on the second floor. And the one room that you had to pass um, to go to the bathroom was always, didn't matter if the house was 90 degrees, it was always ice cold. And I had this unnatural fear of this room for some reason. And no, it was unused. It was unoccupied. Later on, when I grew up, my grandmother at one point ended up making it her uh, bedroom. And when us kids would spend the night, I still, even with her there, was terrified of the room. So it got so bad that I just didn't feel right about this room that I would literally tell everybody downstairs at family functions, I'm going to the bathroom. And they'd be like, okay. That's fine, Scott. No worries. No, I'm going to the bathroom, and I was saying this in case I didn't make it back. <laughs> I don't know. I've never had this fear since. So all that said and done, my grandparents, and they moved away. Eventually, the house was torn down. And fast forward about 20 years, which now, even in hindsight, was 15 years ago. Um, I was talking to my mom about the house, and we were chit-chatting. And her and my aunt, that was one of their playrooms, 
And she told me that that room was always unnaturally cold. And I said, okay, you know, maybe it's just being an older house or whatever. And she goes, yeah, we had a ghost in there. And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, yeah, there was a leather chair in there that was old. And my aunt, her sister and my aunt and her would be playing, the little girls. And all of a sudden they would see an impression on the chair. And the room would get even colder where they could see their breath. And this even happened, you know, whether it was winter or summertime. And I asked her, I said, didn't this freak you out? She said, no, it's just, it's our, just, you know, our Casper, if you will. And I said, and that's when I started divulging that I was, why I always told her, hey, I'm going to the bathroom because I had to have said room and I was terrified of the room. And she said, really? I never knew that. And I said, yeah. And she goes, funny thing, when I moved, um, the next house, I noticed that there were some odd things taking place. Um, but my grandma, or my grandma, her mom, still lived at the old house. And I said, really? And she said, I think the ghost followed me. And I said, oh, oh, okay. So my sister one time, when we were, she was babysitting us, because we were younger, we were all alone, and we were all together watching a movie on TV. And all of a sudden, the microwave went off. I thought, you know, we all looked at each other like, that was weird. And then about a half hour later, the toilet flushed. Now we're freaking out. Like, are you serious? <laughs> and again, I didn't know this story about the supposed ghost traveled to new home. So I, uh, when my parents got home, I told them about that. And then my mom just. And there you go. That was that's where the voicemail cut off. Good, creepy stuff there. To, just to recap, uh, George said he used to be fearful of going to the bathroom at this house, and his, uh, it turns out that uh, his grandmother told him, yes, there's, in fact, was a ghost living in there, and when she moved, apparently the ghost went with her, and as they sat and watched the TV, <laughs> the new bathroom, I guess it's a bathroom ghost, would uh, be more, w at one point was uh, uh, flicking the light on and off, and it flushed, eventually, fl no, he turned the microwave on, and then he flushed the toilet. So this is, this is, still, that would be super creepy. If the because that's one thing that's not going to happen when if there's no one in the house and the toilet flushes on its own, that is not going to happen unless you've got a really right. highfalutin potty in there. So that was good stuff, good creep. You know, it's funny uh, when a lot of people have these memories of either their house or relatives' houses that have spooky areas in them. You know, sometimes they live there. Sometimes they're visiting. Has that ever happened to you, Boat? Did you ever have a relative or a, a stay at a family friend or whatever that had a spooky part of the house you didn't like to go to or had a oh, rep? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I used to, one of my best friends growing up lived out Charlie's Creek. Oh, man. And, that's way out. And Yeah, you're going way out. And this, the plumbing in this house was such that whenever you would, you would run any sort of water or take a shower or anything, it would creak and it would moan. And it used to freak me out. And I used to get so scared. I'd spend the night at this this guy's this kid's house all the time. And uh, he had this big, like, uh, carnival-style dog. Like, you'd win at a dart throw or something. <laughs> and, and I used to, like, barricade myself under that thing at night. Because, like, I would hear, like, the pipes moan and groan. Yeah. And uh, it used to freak me out. It's odd that you would pick a carnival-sized huge doll to sleep under. Well, you know, you got to cover up because if the ghost comes in, if he sees the dog, he'll move on. What if the dog was the ghost? 
<laughs> you didn't think about <laughs> that. that would be <laughs> Flack, did you ever did you ever live any place that got creeped you out? You lived in a lot of places over the years. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I well, I did have um uh you know, we had a house the the first official house that my wife and I bought together was actually built in eighteen eighty. Uh, which was, uh, I believe 26 or 27 years before Oklahoma was a state. Uh, this was an old, old house. Uh, and, uh, it definitely had, um, you know, when the wind would blow, it would blow right through the walls, through the windows. It was always creaking. It was always, um, uh, making noise. Uh, to be honest with you, there was a lot of, uh, parts in that house where we were in a part of town where, uh, it was, uh, uh, like there were some, uh, like a lot of unhoused people who would take refuge and basically sleep anywhere they could. So, uh, like we had a shed, uh, that was, uh, I mean, almost a lean to, I mean, it was just, it had a dirt floor, you know, just a little wooden shed, uh, in the backyard. And, and, we had always, uh, like there was evidence that people had slept in there or were sleeping in there and things like that. So I was always a little bit, I was more scared of the residents in town <laughs> than I was yeah. of the ghosts, you know, but, but yeah, if any place was going to be a creepy, uh, creepy house, that was definitely it for sure. I, uh, I have... hey, you know what? Oh, I, go ahead. I, I, I just had a one memory, um, we had a, uh, uh, we, we bought a, after that house, we bought a rel- I mean, a newer style house, you know, a house built in the eighties, nineties, something like that. And, um, I do remember when we were, uh, touring the house, the realtor was showing us the house, um, in, uh, there was like a, a, a nursery room, like a, a kid's, you know, bedroom type thing. And there was a closet and it wasn't, uh. Uh, a, like a huge walk-in closet, just a normal, normal closet, you know, and on the door handle, there was a lock where you would lock it, but it was on the outside. So it wasn't mm. a lock, Freaky. like to get it like a safe room, a safe room. If you got inside, you'd lock it from the inside, you know, but this door was set up to lock something in that closet. And that always creeped me out. And I kids. I mean, who knows? Who knows what? You, I mean, why would you have a closet where you could lock um, something? You know that something that could obviously open a door handle, so it's not a a pet or something. And that always bothered. We changed that door handle because that bothered me uh, so much. I, I so I don't know what the story was about that, but that was just an area like of a like when you just get like a bad vibe about an area, you know, I, I got that about that closet. I don't know what the story was, but that, that always bothered me for some reason. Yeah, man, I, that would, that would get me too. I've seen, I've watched too many, uh, old TV shows where, <laughs> where they had like a murder mm. child or like, you know, yeah. like Rosemary's baby lives in there, you know, or that little freak, who's the little kid that rode the tricycle all over the place? The, the little devil oh. kid. I can't remember his name. Oh, the omen exactly. kid. I thought Oh yeah, I thought you were talking about Danny from The Shining. Oh yeah, well no, I don't. Damien was that kid's name, right? What's that? Yeah, Damien. Damien, that's it. That's it, Bode. Um, Good stuff there, and thank you again, Drazi, for sending that in. I love, I love that stuff. And and listen, the uh, I mentioned it. I haven't mentioned this show. I'm going to mention it one more time. The automated voicemail line is up. 
till the end of the show. So if you've got any interesting stories you want us to put on the show, you've got about an hour of, of TV time remaining before we finish up the year. Uh, you can text or call the number on the screen. Flack, uh, you had a great, uh, you had another great suggestion as a talking point uh, for this evening. Uh, why don't you take it away, my friend? Well, this is um, uh, a ghost story that I had this book when I was a kid. It was a Reader's Digest book. It was called Strange Stories, Amazing Facts. And it had all these uh, different chapters. You know, it had a chapter of like, uh, you know, amazing things around the world. And it talked about the world's highest uh, waterfall and things like that. And then there was another one that was like the future of space travel, you know, and it, and it talked about, um, you know, things in the solar system. And then there was a giant thing in the middle that was like, these are the world's most terrifying stories, <laughs> <laughs> which I would flip to and read at night, you know, when I was eight years old and read all these terrifying ghost stories about uh, you know, haunted houses or, or just incredibly, uh, this is like where I learned about Jack the Ripper and spring Jack and all these things. They were all in this book, all in one chapter. And one of the stories in there was called the Belmez faces. I might be not enunciating or pronouncing the, uh, because it's Spanish. Uh, it's either Belmez or, or Belmez faces it's also uh known as the faces of belmez um there's a uh, uh the nickname for this house was called the house of the faces which sounds creepy yeah, right off the uh, you know this is uh this happened in uh, or began happening in spain in 1971 there was a family um and it was the uh Herriera family who lived uh, in this house, I guess the town is Belmez, uh, and the the family was in their house, and this was a, uh, a old style house that had concrete floors, and they went into the kitchen, and on the floor were these ghostly faces. The faces just appeared out of nowhere. <laughs> they appeared, and they they looked like people's faces. Um, and uh, there were reports. Now, some of the reports have been questioned later as to their authenticity, but the family said they tried everything they could to get rid of the faces. They they covered them up. They said it. They would. Um, the faces would move. The family said they tried to scrub. The faces, they put like bleach and stuff on the floor and tried to scrub the faces off and the faces like turned to anguish, like pain, like when they were being scrubbed. Uh, it's absolutely so they didn't, horrifying. They didn't like the scrubbing, is what you're saying. No. And so the father uh, went in and went and got a pickaxe and s destroyed the floor. He just because they could not get rid of these ghostly faces that were appearing on their concrete floor. He chopped up the floor and they brought in more concrete. Well, now other people said, well, why'd you do that? Why'd you chop up your floor? And so the story got out that there were these ghostly faces appearing on their floor. So they poured new concrete on the floor and the faces came back. There were um, a couple of different 
faces. There was a woman's face. There was one that is known as the bald man. And the people, this Perriera family said, we don't know what to do. And we're going to destroy the floor again. And then the local uh, uh, city, uh, the officials came and they were like, no, no, no. We're, we're not going to do that. We're going to cut out these squares of the floor so that they could be analyzed. So they actually cut sections of these people's floor out and removed them. And by the way, these still exist. And um, so you can look online uh, and, and see uh, if you look up Belmez, it's B-E-L-M-E-Z. You can see these ghostly faces that appeared in um, the concrete. Now, like a lot of ghost stories, there were a lot of ghost stories in the 70s that didn't hold up in the 80s or 90s. Like, you can tell a ghost story in Spain in the 70s and go, oh, that sounds like a good ghost story. But then in the 90s, when people start investigating it, they go, Mm, maybe this story uh, doesn't stand out, right? And so uh, these uh, investigators in the 90s, they took one of the samples. And by the way, I think it's important to say that the family cooperated with every investigator. The family was like, please find out what these faces are. You know, and they were, they, they seemed legitimately scared and confused by these ghostly faces that were appearing in their floor. And so in the nineties, an investigator took the floor and they did some samples and they found some things that kind of pointed to maybe the family was in on it. They found, um, high levels of, among other things, uh, zinc. And zinc, they also found um, possible traces of acid. And so both of these things, uh, zinc would be something that you would find in a, uh, a paint that might be applied or a stain that might be applied to concrete to paint one of these faces. Um, or it's something that could have been uh, etched maybe with an acid or things. And by the way, there there was a, there were three people. I think there was a... a, a the married couple and their son who lived in the house. But the, the married couple said, we didn't do this. Like, we don't know. We can't explain that, but we didn't do this. So suspicion kind of pointed to maybe the son had done some of this uh, and, and the parents didn't know about it or something like that. But I want to fast forward about 20 more years because uh, there, there are even more advances in technology. And in 2014, uh, the uh, scientists said, hey, we could do all these other, these, uh, other studies now and look at things. And when uh, they looked at it, they said, we, don't, we think that's the, the amount of zinc that you would find anyway in concrete. We don't think there's additional zinc on this. And we don't think that it was faked. And if it was faked, we can't reproduce it. So the investigators kind of flip-flopped from the 90s when they said, we think these are definitely fake to 2014, where they said, if they were faked, we don't really know how they faked them. So uh, that's kind of where it stands today. Now, there are some... Uh, you know, different 
possible explanations from the psychic community. A lot of people uh, think that maybe there was, um, they call it photography, which is a um, an instance where people think of an image and it projects onto a physical object. And so they think maybe that could have been what was happening in this situation. There are other people who think the kid did it. They think the son Daniel was in there at night painting faces on stuff. Now, I don't see how he could make faces that would change or would show pain or anguish when they were trying to scrub them and get rid of them. So I don't know, but I, I do know that the Belmez house, the house of faces, is open for tourism. If you happen to be in Spain, you could go to this house and they have faces from the floor that had been cut out on display and you could go see those things. They're still there today. So, uh, this is a story that haunted me as a child. I would put this up there with me being afraid to take a bath after seeing jaws. <laughs> I remember going to the kitchen in the middle of the night to go get a drink of water and looking at the tile and making sure there was no faces on the floor. This story terrified me to death. So that is the story of the Bell Mez faces. I'm interested to see uh, what you guys think about that story. What you think about that one, Boat? Well, it, it is interesting, and it, it it shows you because I've read about things like this before. Where, you know, I think about something outside of the realm of uh, ghost stories, but something like the the Shroud of Turin. You know, I'm sure you guys have heard about this before. It's it's this piece of cloth that purportedly, you know, Christ was wrapped in after his crucifixion, and it bears all of these. Uh, these, you know, uh, there's a picture that's sort of embedded on it and things like that. And it seems like the, the authorities kind of flip-flop back and forth with knowing exactly how it was done to not being able to explain any of it. And, uh, you know, it just goes to show, you know, you just got to keep an open mind about stuff sometimes. And, uh, you know, who's to say what the, what the story has been? It is weird how th that sort of phenomenon was combined to just, you know, it was confined to just the one house. You said there is no... There was never any explanation given, like why the faces appeared, right? No, they they the family was completely confused by this, and the Shroud of Turin, uh, you know, it, it was the same way where they had scientists who said, you know, this is how it was done, you know, it was done this way, and then they said, oh, make another one, and nobody could do it, you know. Right. So that's exactly. it's one of those mysterious kind of things where um, it's like. You know, you can explain what might have been, uh, uh, you know, go. I mean, like the Bigfoot, you know, the the Roger the the Patterson film where people go, "Ah, eh, it's a guy in a suit." It's obviously a guy in a suit, and then you say, "Do it again," and nobody has made a a video, a Bigfoot video that looks that good. Uh, and especially not with, with technology that was, you know, 50, 60 years old. So it, it's funny that people claim to be able to explain some of these things, but then they can't replicate them. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I, uh, I haven't heard that particular story, but you know, we, there's a, there's a longstanding story or plot device of a stain that won't come up or blood stain or whatnot. Faces give that a unique uh, fresh uh, look there that way I when you were telling that story I thought to myself at what point would I have left that house because you're talking about they, <laughs> they scrubbed the faces they put a new floor the face came back 
There would be no floor pouring for, for me. Once I tried to scrub <laughs> off the thing and it didn't leave, I would leave. The faces win. You know, I'm, I'm out the door. I'm not going to wait around uh, for another floor to be installed uh, when I see something like that. Uh, actually, it depends. There's a lot of times where, I, where you have to say, you know, financially, where, where are you at? Because, like, if you just moved into this or if you're renting and then you go, hey, by the way, you know, uh, you got a nice view of the mountainside. You know, there's two bedroom, two bath. Oh, by the way, creepy faces show up on the floor. Then you go, I'm out. I'm going next door. Yeah. But if you inherit this house, maybe you don't have money to move somewhere. Then you just got to start buying bath rugs and put them all over the floor. <laughs> you know? I mean, did they ever think about just installing carpeting? I mean, <laughs> that would be a sin. And then you would just have those muffled cries at night, you know, get off of us. Yeah, <laughs> so. or, or floating floor, anything. Good stuff there. Listen, <laughs> we're going to take a break. We're halfway through, everybody. Uh, we just had a another submission. This is the time. This is the 11th hour, as they say. If you're interested in uh, having us check out what you've got to say, uh, the voicemail on the uh, screen now, 304-397-0810. Uh, drop us a note, and we will be happy to listen to your tale. This is Conversations from the Dark Side. We'll be right back. You are experiencing Conversations from the Dark Side. All right, we are back. Uh, I am Amigo Aaron, joined by my good friend, my good buddy, Jack Flack himself, Ralph Black O'Hara. And my partner in crime and my co-conspirator, John Bodevkar Schaller. Uh, gentlemen, uh, someone has uh, sent us another in-show uh, voicemail. It's our good buddy, John Marshall. I'm going to play it for you, ladies and gentlemen, right now. Here we go. Hey, this is John Marshall. I've got a story that ties together retro gaming and uh, ghosts. I was over at a friend's house spending the night that uh, uh, lived in a haunted house, and uh, I was playing Seventh Guest in his basement at about 1.30 in the morning, and uh, heard a bag move in his closet, and I thought it was my imagination. I was in the maze uh, in the basement of the Seventh Guest, as well as in the basement <laughs> of this haunted house, and uh, as I was playing... Uh, the closet door slid so uh, I took off and uh, that was in the days before I actually went and did uh, ghost investigations but uh, uh, the early days anyway just thought I'd drop you this note <laughs> thank you John to recap uh, John was uh, at, at a, a friend's house he was playing that creepy old CD-ROM title The 7th Guest you guys probably remember that one it was a pretty big deal uh, back in the CD-ROM days. And that's it, Flack, yeah, if you had no hoop skin. Uh, and uh, uh, he said uh, he was uh, he was in, the, in a maze in the basement in the Seventh Guest, and he was also in the basement of a, of a house he was staying there at. And as he was playing, the closet door slid open in the room he was in. <laughs> he said he immediately left that room... And that was sort of what kicked him into ghost investigations. That experience that would be triple creepy, uh, having you playing mm. a scary game, and then because we all are afraid of that happening. Uh, you know, I've played uh, uh, 
more than a few scary games. And if a, if a door or something creaks open or uh, somebody were to tap on my window, I would probably have a conniption fit right there on the spot. So thank you, John. Has that ever happened to either one of you guys uh, playing a game or maybe been watching a scary movie or a scary show where something happening in your, uh, around you that freaked you out? Absolutely. Listen, man, that happened. That's the reason why I got rid of the VR gimmick. That, uh, the second time. That's why. Was that I, would, <laughs> I would come down here in the basement, and you know, you with the with the I got the thing. It was the gimmick where there was no cords. It was the Meta Quest, right? Yeah. And I was mm. like, I can wonder, I can blunder about down here in the basement, infinite space, you know, clear all this room, and I would play these games, and I would just get paranoid that there was like somebody else in the room with me, and I couldn't see him because I had the darn thing on my face. And uh, I got so uncomfortable. I was like, "This is this this sucks. This is no good." I freaked myself out. <laughs> mm -hmm. What about you, Flack? You know, I have a very specific memory. Um, we there's there's a, a a place not too far from here, maybe an hour away, that rents cabins. And so we had rented a cabin. We had taken. Uh, uh, my wife and the kids, and uh, there was some stuff in town that they wanted to go do. And I said, you know what, I'm going to stay here at the cabin. And I, what I hadn't told my wife is that I had just, this is what I just first got an Xbox, the original OG Xbox. And so while we were roughing it on this camping trip, when she left, I immediately hooked this Xbox up to the TV that was in this cabin, you know, and I'd rented a couple of games and I don't remember specifically what the game was. Um, but it was, uh, uh, we were in, I mean, I was physically in a cabin surrounded by windows and I start this game and it was a zombie game. And in the game, you start off in a cabin that's surrounded by windows <laughs> <laughs> and then zombies start walking by the windows far away. And I'm watching that. And now I'm looking out the rear, the real windows <laughs> looking for zombies. I had to turn it off. I was just sitting there <laughs> freaking myself out the whole time, you know? And then my wife comes home and I'm like, <laughs> you know, hiding in the corner. She goes, what's wrong with you? I was like, oh, it's zombies, you know? <laughs> <laughs> But it's funny how your mind can, uh, um, you know, I, 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 I have a friend of mine who is a, um, uh, he works on the fire department, but he also is a licensed paramedic. And he told me one time that one of the leading causes of heart attacks is panic attacks. And he said, people will have a panic attack. And they will feel their chest tighten up and they're afraid that they're having a heart attack when they're not. But then that feeds into itself, you know, and then they get more worked up and then they feel, oh, you know, and they can work themselves up to a point where they will have a heart attack. And that's how I felt about that zombie thing. You know, it was just like I kept feeding into my own thing. Like it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Finally, I just had to turn it off, you know, just creeping myself out. I, you know, it's funny. I had a similar experience on the Xbox. Uh, when I first night I played uh, Call of Cthulhu Dark Quarters of the Earth, that's a real creepy game. And I was playing that at one of my, at my old uh, house in Lexington, and my roommate came stumbling in about 3 in the morning. And, I mean, I swear to God, I thought I was going to have a panic attack slash heart attack <laughs> right there on the spot. That one got me. And the VR thing, you know, there are some VR, uh, they're usually demos or whatnot that are double scary. 
when I, I had my little crappy unit, and me and Tree were looking through some of the scary things you could download. I mean, that's just chilling. It's right up in your face. You know, yeah. well, it'll get you. I'll double what Boat was saying about that VR thing because I've got the uh, MetaQuest, uh, whatever the Meta Two or whatever, and um, yeah, it, it is. Um, uh, I remember uh, not necessarily like horror, straight up horror, but there was a a Jurassic Park kind of demo. You know, <laughs> I remember and that. And the thing is, yeah, it tr- there's something about that technology that tricks your mind. Where like, I know that there's not, you know, a T-Rex in my house. Like, I know this. My brain knows this. And you put this thing on, and, and the vision wraps all the way around, so you are in that environment. And when you look left and right, you know, it moves with you. And and uh, I think the first demo had, like, a brontosaurus, and it leaned way in, you know, like almost like the old Three Stooges 3D kind of thing, you know. And I, I remember leaning back in my chair, like trying to get away from it a little bit, which is ridiculous. You know, this thing is not going to touch me. Like I, my brain knows that, but it's being overridden by that technology, which is a very strange feeling. Well, you also yeah, well, get- I think that VR, VR has that ability because it is so immersive that it taps into that lizard brain part of your mm. head that you have no control over. So well, that's all I got. It's a lizard brain. So it's also an isolation <laughs> thing, I think, because you really, you know, when you're at home or when you're anywhere, you look around, you know, you you're, you're somewhere comfortable or, or you're somewhere with people. Uh, when you have that thing on, it's it's almost like going in a deprivation chamber. I mean, it really mm-hmm. takes away your uh, your spatial uh, uh, reckoning and it and your comfort zone is all gone. And if if that's a kind that's the kind of thing that like could be. If you can fill in the wrong hands, and I'm sure it has, there are some diabolical Ooh. things that can be done with that technology. You know, now you talk about skipping a beat here. I, Uber Scuba Diver wrote something here that I had to comment on. And he, he said, I hope you didn't have to walk to an outhouse. I wouldn't want to have to leave the cabin at night. You know, I, I don't know how any of you guys have. We may, I don't know if we ever touched on this, but there is something creepy about going to the outhouse in the middle of the night. That happened to me. I had some relatives back when I was younger that didn't have indoor plumbing. They had out, they had actual, this is West Virginia, brother. That's still people probably have them. Uh, and that is not fun. You'd be amazed what your bladder can take at night that will prevent <laughs> you from. There's two things I hated uh, was going to the outhouse when it was. The weather was bad, or going to the outhouse when I was creeped out. And you can be darn sure when I stayed at those houses, I was pretty young, uh, but there, there's no way on earth I would want to uh, oh, yeah. go out there while I was watching a horror movie or something. That's a 0% chance. I mean, I'll tell you right now, a little air would have peed off the porch and would, no one was looking. Uh, and, and if you could, and if you if that's not what you're up to, it's bad times. because I mean, It's creepy <laughs> sitting in those... Lo- I mean, if you don't know what an outhouse is, if you're up from around here... It's a it's a picture a, a tall building that's just exactly as square footage wide as a toilet, and that's what you're on. It's a tall, thin, little itty bitty building that you go in. Now some are more elaborate than others. You know the old uh, thing with the moon on the door is sort of not really the way it usually goes. They're a little bigger than that, and sometimes you maybe have a uh, something in there to like uh, read or something, and maybe you'll have a light. You know, but usually you didn't have heat. You know, and it it sucks. Have y'all ever? You guys ever ever use a, an outhouse? 
Well, I can tell you that there were many times because, well, you know, like m- most of my summer camp experiences were at Camp Arrowhead, not at Dilly's Mill in Boy Scouts. Yeah. And uh, they had each campsite had its own outhouse. It was a latrine, basically. You know, it's the same thing. It's like a multi-person outhouse. There were two side by side seats, if you know what I mean. Oh, uh, the double. And uh, <laughs> there were there, there was many a night where I chose to uh, head to yonder tree rather than to uh, face the sort of, uh, uh, you know, unscaped uh, wilderness between my tent and the outhouse because I was freaked out by something. Normally because of what we were talking about. Because you always tell ghost stories. Yeah. You always try and freak each other out when you're camping. And those outhouses, that when you're at a camp, they don't just have them, like, right beside the campsite. Like, there's a little path. Oh, no. And so you're going yeah. into the woods to these things. They want to keep them. Right. They stink. They want to keep them away from the campsite. So, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> I stayed at camp uh, for years. And yes, boat. I boy, that I hadn't thought about that for a long time. But that's a val. That's a good point there. Horrible, horrible stuff. Well, we'll move from outhouses back to the penthouse. Penthouse of ghost stories. That is. Uh, what do you got next on your list, Jack Flack? You know, this is actually uh, another story from that same book. So if that wasn't enough nightmare fuel for little uh, tiny Jack Flack. Um, this one definitely was. This is uh, the story of the SS Watertown. This is a true story. Uh, the SS Watertown was a uh, oil tanker ship uh, in the 1920s that uh, a couple of crewmen went down into an area to clean something and they got trapped. They were overtaken by gas fumes and they died. Uh, in fact, uh, another crewman went down to go check on them and saw that they were dead and he passed out, but someone was able to retrieve him. And I think they said it took like half an hour just to rouse this guy. It was just overwhelming, you know, it probably not, you know, and this is the 1920s. It's not going to be OSHA compliant, you know, it's <laughs> just a bad, bad design, whatever happened, right? Yeah. O- 1920s uh, but- OSHA was pretty liberal in their enforcement. <laughs> Right. So this this uh, oil tanker's out on the ocean. What do you do? They buried these guys at sea. So they yeah. said sayonara, and they, I don't know, they tossed them over. I don't know how they did it, but but they buried these guys at sea. And so as they, they went on on their adventure, uh, they, uh, uh, people on the ship started reporting seeing the ghostly faces of those two guys in the water and they were following the ship they were in the wake of the ship they looked behind and you could see the faces sometimes the faces would come up and be in the water next to the ship Uh, and this isn't one person that saw this this is everybody reported seeing this And at one point, these faces moved out in front of the ship and were moving to one side and seemed to be telling the ship to change its course. And they did change their course and avoided a giant storm that had come up that was not, uh, you know, it wasn't on their, uh, I'm I'm using radar figuratively, you know, but it wasn't... uh, They didn't know about this storm, but they were able to avoid it because these ghostly faces that were floating in the water uh, tried to get them to to change the route of their ship. So this gets a little creepier 
because uh, at one point there was a storm that came and started hitting uh, the the uh, uh, the SS Watertown with giant waves, and there was a guy who went to the rear of the ship and he was up on top of something. I don't know if it, like a, a, a higher deck or something on the ship, but he took a photograph of these waves hitting the ship and in the photograph are the two faces of these sailors. Wow. Aaron, I don't know if that's something you can pull up easily uh, or not. I'll but have a go, um, if you have look a go at, at it. What's the, what was the name it, of the ship again? It's the SS Watertown, and you'll probably see two faces. And you may, in the most famous photograph, the most famous version of this photograph, you'll also see a couple of arrows because uh, that's the version that was in the book that I had, and that was the uh, version that got floated around because uh, someone had, had cropped the photo where you could just see the faces in the water, and they have these arrows uh, that are pointing. That, that is faces. creepy. If you're listening to this, I'll describe the scene. They do have, in fact, arrows pointing it, uh, over, I guess, over the rails of the ship there, Flack, into the water, yeah. and it looks like two uh, sort of like semi-formed heads are floating yeah. in the water. That's how I'm seeing it. Courtney and Meehan. That's creepy. <laughs> That's creepy right there. What do you think about now, this, Flack? Well, um, there's a couple of different uh, uh, explanations for this. Um, one is that there were two ghostly faces in the water following it, which uh, I mean, I, I guess you got to take that one. That could be one. Uh, there's also the um, uh, phenomenon known as I think it's pronounced uh, pareidolia, um, but it is the um, uh, phenomena where people see faces in things you know i had a, a a photo gallery on my facebook page for a long time of all the things that i had found faces in you know it looked like there was a face in my coffee or i would see a stoplight that was arranged a certain way and it looked like a face or you would see two taillights and a chain hanging off the rear of a truck and so our brains and go to go back to something you said about our lizard brains um <laughs> we are programmed to see faces because a face could be could mean danger if you see someone uh, another human being you need to be able to recognize that immediately to see if that's a friend or a foe right so that's something our brains are programmed to do but our brains aren't perfect so a lot of times we see faces in things uh that aren't really faces so there's a possibility that these guys were seeing these waves and um, I, I, the perfect example of this is the everybody's seen like the the face on mars where sure, there was right. the the rock and it looks like it's a carving of a face and then but part of it's in a shadow well they have pictures of it from other angles and it doesn't it doesn't really look like a face right. you know it's kind of been debunked but that's what it looks like to us you see when you see that that organization the eyes the nose the mouth when you see that um we're wired to think hey that that's a face you know so that's a, a second possibility however if you saw that photograph uh the thing about that photograph is uh i mean that looks like faces that doesn't look like you're you're reading something in you know yeah. 
Now, the third possible explanation is that this was at the time, this was in the height of our country when uh, ghost photo fakery was a big thing, right? Uh, so we had lots and lots of uh, people experimenting with uh, uh, the very early days of special effects in photos and, and taking ghost photography and, and faking ghost pictures and, and things like that. So, um, I mean, there is always a possibility because we don't really know the lineage of, uh, like, we don't have the negative to this photo, right? We just, we basically have this. Now there is, if you look online, you could find an uncropped version of this photo and you can see the context in which it takes place. You can see the entire, the ship, and the wave, and you can see these two faces in the wave coming up over the edge of the ship. So um, now that doesn't explain why all the other sailors on this boat reportedly saw this. That doesn't explain, um, you know, the ship altering its course. And by the way, this whole story does sound like a BS story, right? It sounds like a ghost story you would tell kids and you go, oh, there was these ghostly faces, but people have gone back and looked and it is documented that those two guys did die. I mean, this, that is actually true. Those guys died. They were buried at sea. So that all happened. Um, so we're kind of left with this, this strange photograph. Um, and let me tell you, as an eight-year-old kid, now I couldn't walk on the tile or take a bath. It was just <laughs> ghost faces. <laughs> all over the dang place, you know? So, uh, again, I'll turn it over to you guys and, and ask you what you think of this. And I would say this, they almost, almost look too good. They almost look too good to be accidental, especially that, well, they both of them, you know, and also they kind of look similar. They almost look like, like they might be the same person. So I don't know. What do you guys think about this? Go ahead. It's, it's interesting that you say that this, this happened during the height of sort of photo fakery. I didn't realize that that was like a, um, that, that, that was sort of a, there, there was a peak when it came to that sort of stuff. So oh, were yeah. there other phenomenon that were happening around at around the same time that are like famous faked photos of supernatural events? There's tons of that. Yes. There's tons and tons. Yeah. The, uh, the, uh, uh, what's it? Conan Doyle with the fairy photos. Yeah. That would have been around that same time where the girls went into the, uh, forest and uh, saw said that they saw fairies. They came home late. This was the story. I'm, I'm kind of going by memory, but these two girls went off to play in the woods. They came home late. They're, they got in trouble, and the parents said, you know what, you're in trouble. Why are you late? And they said, well, we saw fairies. And then the parents said, now you're grounded for lying and being late. And so the next day, the girl said, hey, can we borrow the camera? They went out to the woods, and they came back, and they had photos of fairies the photos mm. were and the fairies were dancing on leaves and, and posed around them and these photos are also out there um and anybody that sees these photos go wow those look a lot like paper cutouts of fairies which turned out to be exactly what they were <laughs> they're not very convincing to me but sir arthur conan doyle looked at these photos and was like 
100% these are legit fairy photos. <laughs> and so he had kind of loaned this authenticity to the photos. And so uh, I think it was the girls were like on their deathbed or something uh, when they admitted it. And then someone went back and found like a coloring book of fairies from around that same time that were like, yeah, these look exactly like the fairies that these girls had. Um, but yeah, this was... Um, uh, you know, there was a lot that, I mean, this would have been around, uh, when did Houdini die? Early thirties, yeah. uh, somewhere around there. So, um, you know, that same type of thing where people were starting to do all these, um, you know, spirit, uh, you know, talking with spirits and doing shows and, and charging money for these things. But yeah, spirit photography was around that time had, had kind of emerged. Um, and it was kind of a thing too, because people didn't know what kind of trick, like they didn't understand double exposures in photographs right. or, or one very, uh, simple trick. Oh, there's a, uh, Aaron's got a picture of the fairies on the screen right now. If you can see that, um, but one thing that people didn't realize was that you could uh, basically take a photo and then put something on top of, like physically put something on top of that photo mm -hmm. and then take a f another photo of that, um, mm -hmm. which is the way a lot of early UFO pictures were faked. People would take a picture, you know, of a mountainside view and have that print done and then they would lay a button or something on top of that and then take a photo <laughs> of the button on top of that background and now you have a original undocumented uh print a negative that you can give to someone and say this negative has not been modified which is you know not how how it was was done so yeah there was a lot of early you know photography kind of tricks people were uh, experimenting with. It's, so it's possible that this is one of those as well. It's funny that you should mention uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle because a lot of people don't know that his wife was like sort of a medium, all right? And, of course, Doyle lived at, right around the same time as uh, Harry Houdini, which you mentioned. And, um, uh, of course, Houdini famously would debunk all these uh, scam artists that were taken because they were millions of them they were taking people to, to the cleaners you know in that time period and so Do, uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle did not like Houdini and I, I was just listening to a, a radio show the other day where they were mentioning that Houdini's uh, you know, Houdini's mother passed away and uh, of course Houdini was a uh, big time mama's boy if you know anything about him I mean he's a big time <laughs> mama's boy and uh, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle's wife said that his mother came to her to dream and she wrote down all the stuff that the mom said and said, here you go, Houdini, proof. He's like, listen, she was Hungarian. You know, she barely <laughs> spoke English, you know. So they, you know, you can imagine how that went over with Sir Arthur. But yeah, Arthur, Arthur Conan Doyle was a big time uh, uh, into the paranormal seances, spirit photography. And if you look at the spirit photography back in those days, like I said, it's kind of laughable now. You'll have people, they'll have people like sitting there beside like Abe Lincoln and stuff. You know, it's real, <laughs> it's real goofy, but it was a thing, you know. But with all that said, I don't necessarily think that the picture we saw of the, uh, of the sailors, it doesn't look like something that I would have seen. Uh, it almost looks like something that, like, 
uh, Mr. Sharp from the King of Chicago would have like made out of clay and stuck in the water. Right. You know, Doug would have done that, put it out there. It, it, they don't look they don't they look almost uh, made of water. Uh, so uh, I, it's it's an interesting tale. I don't know if I'd ever heard that. I'm surprised because that seems like something I would have known about. That's scary stuff to think about. And I like the tales that you hear because you know, again, the sea. When you're at the when you're in the sea, you're sort of separated from everybody else. You know, is that a mermaid? Is that a sea monster? Are those ghosts? Is someone knocking on the bottom of the boat? Like we don't know, and there's no one to complain to because we're out in the middle of the ocean. You know. I think that's one of the creepier jobs to have would be uh, someone that worked on a ship. Yeah, yeah. Um, going back to just for a second to um, Houdini, and since um, uh, we are coming up on, on Halloween, I'm sure you probably know this, but uh, for those of you uh, who don't know this story, um, Houdini was... Uh, you know, an avid exposer of fakery. He hated um, mediums and seances and all those things. And he went out of his way to debunk every single one of them. He was kind of like the, the first amazing Randy, if you will. You know, he was the guy um, that was against all of that. And so uh, one of the things he knew... Uh, that was that when he died, like he wanted, he, like a lot of us, he wanted to know if there really was uh, uh, not just an afterlife, but wanted to know if you could communicate with the living. And so uh, he came up with a secret phrase that he told his wife, Bess, and uh, had her memorize it. And it was actually something that she had written on a bracelet. And it was part of the lyrics, uh, I believe, from an old poem. But it started with the word Rosabelle. And um, so they, he had her memorize this code. And so people would say, I have contacted the great Houdini. And she would say, okay. And she would go there and say, you know, he would say, I'm talking to Houdini now. And she would say, what is the code? And no one was ever able to exactly deliver the code. Now, something interesting that happened very late in her life was that someone did deliver the code. Mm. Someone gave, and it's not just the word Rosabelle, the whole code. I just looked it up here. Uh, it says it was the name of a song and part of their act. Uh, and the code was Rosabelle answer, tell, pray, answer, look, tell, answer, answer, tell. And someone came up with that and told her that. Now here's the problem. Bess also in her later years began suffering from dementia <laughs> and so it is believed that she may have told the code to someone and then it got to this person who did this, um, which is really kind of a sad story, you know, but um, for, for all the majority of her life, all these times, she wanted nothing more than, you know, she held out hope that, that Houdini would be able to reach out and talk to her from the other side of the grave and Houdini you know, was one of those people that, um, like, I, I'm sure it would have made him, like, if he had been able to deliver that code, that would have been, like, uh, groundbreaking. 
right? Yeah. So so that was that that little system, but um, yeah, there was always you know like a lot of those stories. Depending on when it was written and where you read it, sometimes they will say uh, you know that sometimes he did get the code, but they leave out the part that she you know did have Alzheimer's uh, late in life, and that it's it's very probable that she uh, spilled the code. Uh, to someone else, and then someone fed it back to her. So that, never, that's most likely. I'd never happened. heard the code, and I'd never heard that someone got it. I, I, because as I recall, uh, they mm. stopped doing the seances. I believe it was it was the last one in like thirty six or thirty seven. It was real. I mean, and but I think other people carried the carried on in, in like an unconventional capacity, trying to because you know mm. at that point at some point the code became public knowledge not the not the answer but that there was one, you know right they actually held seances for many years after his death to to try mm. to get in there it's the, the the it's funny to me that a guy like and you mentioned him uh, amazing Randy it's very similar I mean here's a guy who like his whole trade is being mysterious and supernatural but here's a guy who goes and and thumps all these other people that are tr trying to get away with something always it's i love houdini but i always felt that you know you're also when you go out and do that you're sort of depriving a lot of people of getting by in life i guess they're tricking people but i mean so is he <laughs> in a weird way you know but i always yeah. found it fascinating uh, that he that he had enough foresight to tell his wife that there'd be a code when he died especially since he died so young you know, mm -hmm. uh, but it, uh, it, it's an interesting story. I'd never heard that someone cracked it. I would like to have seen the look on her face when that happened. Yeah, well, you know, so I I, I was a, a very early fan of Houdini. I got a, a paperback book in like fourth or fifth grade of Houdini. In fact, we did a, a thing at school one time where uh, we had to be, uh, uh, you know, do like a history report of a celebrity uh, or, you know, a famous person from history. And I did Houdini. And when I came out to give my speech, I had this very, very simple chain with a lock on it that literally, if you just turned your hands, you could pull your hand out of it, you know. But I went up to the class and I said, I am Harry Houdini. And I turned around and showed that my hands were locked. And I turned back around and said, you know, the master of escapes. And then I pulled my hand down and picked up the paper. You know, and I read the paper and did all these things with my hands. And then at the very end, I reached back and I stuck my hands back in the chains and turned around to show that I was still <laughs> bound by the chains, you know? Um, but now this, so this, this Houdini story, you know, and by the way, one of the reasons why I brought it up is because, uh, you know, Houdini died, on Halloween night, yeah. October 31st. So um, I've told this story to my wife, and my wife uh, has said, we should have a code. And I said, that's a great idea. And here's the problem. We've had this conversation a hundred times and we can never remember the code. <laughs> we argue like one time it was like Yoda's butt was going to be the code. You need to get a bracelet for her that says Yoda's butt on the inside. I want to see the engraver's face on that one. So I need Yoda's butt can, here. 
Something where we won't forget it because, I mean, that's the thing. I'll be on the other side. I'll be like, Yoda's butt. And she'll go, nah, that one did. I don't know. Can you imagine <laughs> how infuriating that would be? And so you're on the other side. <laughs> you're trying to make contact with your loved one and don't remember the code. You're screaming it. I'm, Come on, baby. Or I forget it. That would be the worst part. <laughs> I get over there. I'm like, God, geez, what was it? Hamburger? Uh, was it uh, Wampa? I don't know. Yeah, so uh, we're going to have to... Find a code to stick with. Good stuff there. Listen, we're going to take our last break uh, for you in the chat. We appreciate you hanging with us this long. Uh, we are down to the last 20 or so minutes uh, for the year of Conversations with the Dark Side. So if you've got anything you want to chime in with in chat, uh, on the phone, text message, whatever you got, this is your last chance. We're heading to our final commercial break of this year. You're listening and watching Conversations from the dark side. You are experiencing conversations from the dark side. And we're back. Uh, this is our final segment of Conversations of the Dark Side. We're talking about ghost stories. You know, uh, Uber Scuba Diver just mentioned in the chat it's an interesting question. Uh, I wonder if coal miners have their own flavor of ghost stories from the underground. You know, I did have a chance to discuss mining with my grandfather, uh, who was a coal miner for over 40 years. I worked for the mines for over 50 years. Uh, and he, he spent a lot of time down there. And I would wager if you asked your average coal miner uh, of what they thought about ghosts and underground stuff, they would probably say that they had no idea uh, because these guys went down there and it was loud, and they were working nonstop. And this is old school mining, where you've got hand machines. And I don't know if Papa was in. I'd wager he was in when they were using the non-mechanical stuff too, because he was there from like, gosh, I mean, it was he was in it forever, you know, for for forty years. Uh, but I know he told me that when he was down there, it was a business uh, because you had to be very careful with what you were up to. I had no doubt that people had some kind of experiences underground. Uh, in terms of coal mining, but I would wonder if there were anyone there to pay attention to it because of all the uh, because of all the action down there and all the noise. Have you guys heard of anybody having any sort of coal mining experiences with the paranormal? Well, yeah, I, I think that that's the uh, that's the, the to have creepy experiences. Usually, you've got to be one alone, and two, you've got to be silent because the creepiness usually happens at low volumes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, they, yeah, I've been down, I've never been in a real coal mine, but I've been to the exhibition coal mine and I've seen what goes on down there. And there's not a lot of quiet time in the coal mine. Have you been, have you ever been, uh, in deep in a cave, either one of you? I have, you know, it's a, there's a, uh, there's a level of, and you mentioned this, uh, during one of your movie, uh, uh, reviews on a couple of weeks ago about those chicks that got into the, uh, cave. Uh, I used to go to a lot of caves. West Virginia has a lot of caves. We don't have mm. uh, monster caves like a Kentucky's uh, ca cave system or you know other countries, but we've got a, t a lot of caves here. And uh, I've been in more than a couple. In fact, this is the shtick they always do, isn't it? They get you deep in this sucker, and they shut off all the lights uh, in the cave. Right, yeah. And then that's a level of dark that you can't understand until you've experienced it. It's thick mm -hmm. dark, thick black, inky dark. And I can't imagine there's a there's a cave we went to called Lost Cave where the dude lived in the cave for a long time, 
And I can't imagine what that was like uh, because that is that would be double creepy. Uh, so I have I'm sure there are some ghost stories that come out of the cave. None for me because I never stayed in that dark sucker long enough to see a ghost. Uh, any you guys ever hear anything about it? creepy caves? Well, I will tell you that we um, uh, several years ago, I five years ago, we rented a uh, a bed or like a, a bed and breakfast or a, you know Airbnb that was located inside a cave. It was in Arkansas, and we went and it literally like I mean it was furnished kind of like a house, but but the floor was concrete, the walls were cave. There was you know stalactites coming like we were in a cave, you know, um, and uh, uh, they said included. Uh, they called us and they said, um, uh, are you interested in going on a cave tour? And I said, nope. Um, but uh, the kids were. And they said, well, here's the thing is it, it will be um, through an area. And, and basically they said there you'll have to duck. There may be low roof areas. There's a, a little area where there's a ladder. There may be bats. It was all these things that I thought uh, none of this sounds appealing to me. And so they came to where we were staying in this room and then, you know, the, to come, I guess, get the kids to take them on this tour. And they walked through our living room and there was a door that was locked that I thought was like a broom closet. And they opened it up. They said, let's go. I go, that's the, that's the beginning of the tour off of our living room. <laughs> it was. <laughs> and they were like, all right. And they took off. And I was like, our bat's going to come out through this doorway. You know? So, yeah, that's awesome, I was not bro. real thrilled about that um i i do remember uh when when the kids were little one time we went to merrimack caverns which is a cave system uh i think it's in uh, missouri uh it was something that we always passed on our drive when i was a kid on the way to chicago you know it was one of those um roadside attraction kind of things and we went to merrimack caverns we took our kids there and we got the last tour of the night. It was six. They closed like at six p.m. And we didn't know. We got there like five fifty. And they said, "Well, you know, you're the, it's the last group. We'll take you if you want to go." I said, "Okay." And so, uh, I we had a tour guide, and he took us into the first cavern room. You know, and he said, "This is the opening of." Uh, uh, Merrimack Caverns, you know, there's a little area. They said, we think Frank and Jesse James hit in that little, you know, they give you all the spiel, right? You know, yeah. and they said, okay, we're going to move into the second room. And as we were moving into the second room, that guy flipped off the lights because we were the last tour of the day and he was turning off the lights behind us mm. as we made our way through the, the system. Right. And I told my wife, I said, you, be, you better see where that rope is. Like there was a rope kind of gangway kind of thing to hold on to on the side. I said, you better find that. I said, because that, if that guy dies, we're going to just live in this cave for the rest of our lives. Like I, <laughs> like I can't get at it. Like you're just in pitch black, you know. But you are right when you describe that, that darkness. It is a darkness where... Uh, it's not like closing your eyes or at night when when you close your eyes, but you can still see the light. And you know when you're in bed and you close and it's dark, and then five minutes later your eyes kind of adjust and you start to see things again. You know it ain't like that. I mean it is like black soup. I mean you just there's nothing. And uh, yeah, that that's a that's a scary feeling to be down there. You know we got a uh, an interesting note here from Dave and Sharon very over on the YouTube uh, chat. He says, uh, or she, I was doing a plumbing repair alone in the crawl space of a large cabin in the woods, of course. 
and I could hear a chair moving on the floor above me. I got back upstairs, and no one was around. I went back to work, same thing, banging a chair moving. I went up with my cell phone on record, and still, no one was around. I know how that would have ended up for me, uh, uh, Mr. Misaviri. I would have been out of the cabin. I've seen enough uh, Evil Dead films that I wouldn't have went down into the crawl space of a cabin in the first place. Uh, well, there's actually a, a really obvious explanation for heard, that. I heard the, the creepiest noise just now. <laughs> I, <swear to> <laughs> <laughs> I told you there's, before there's a, when I was telling the ghost story. It's uh, making a horrible yeah. noise. The cat was zooming around in here, and I was like, oh, don't tell ghost stories. No, there's a, when the furniture, when it, when it was up there, there's a, an obvious explanation for that. Yeah. And that that's where the ghost was making the waffles yeah. that was going to bring to my room. He was up there. He's got he's to make them somewhere. That guy gets around, man. Oh Waffle ghost. Boat, any cave experience for you? You know, I... I've only been in caves, well, you know, a couple times, and they've always been in large groups, you know, Mammoth Cave and all, Carter Caves. So, no, I mean, to me, the scariest part about caves is not the ghosts. It's like Rob said, like, what if what if there's an emergency, all the lights go out and you're stuck there for the rest of your life? Or those guys in, Th the, 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 guy, the kids in Thailand on the soccer team? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like. There's enough of natural things to be terrified in caves, let alone the good. You know, and me and Teresa what? went to an Oregon cave uh, a couple years ago with Luke, and uh, we were in the bowels of this cave. And one of the t there was only four or five people in the tour, and one of the guys that came in late, and so he was like, "Listen, I want to go. I want you to come back and explain this other stuff to me." You know, they wanted him to. And so the core goes, "Okay." He goes, "The rest of you can just head back on your own." Okay, this is a long <laughs> cave. And it's dark, and so there's railings. But I mean, and there were little lights beside the railing. But that was it. And let me tell you something. That was one scary proposition to walk out of there. And uh, then you walk. This is one of those caves that you walk upstairs to like leave. You know, so you're looking up at the sky. And I thought to myself, if something were to block that passage suddenly, that would be the scariest experience of my life. And coming out of this hole in the ground uh, but it was yeah that, that's a special level of of uh, creepy being down in those places well you know i i, I mentioned this uh i don't know if I, on on one of these streams but uh recently we we did a cruise we went to uh mexico we went to the yucatan and we got to go to a cenote uh which cenote translates to sinkhole it is literally a hole in the ground that you go down into a cave that holds water and you get to swim in it. And we went literally the four of us uh, in our group, we were the only four people there. Like the people on the tour didn't go down there with us. They just said, there it is. So they, they walked us to where this thing is. And when you get there, it's like a hole in the earth. It's not, there's no neon lights or nothing. It's not like someone built an entrance that says, welcome to the cenote. It's a hole in the <laughs> ground. And you look down there and some guy built 30 steps out of some old two by fours you found somewhere and you're going down there. And I'm telling you what you, I mean, when you're going down there and when you're down there, you have these thoughts, you go, you know what, if I'm down here and I break my leg swimming in this thing. Like, my friends can't haul me out of this. They're not going to haul me up 30 steps. That's just it. I'm just dead. <laughs> I live in a Sononi now. That's the end of my life. So, yeah, it's kind of weird, man. Those places are... Uh, uh, and by the way, all there are uh, hundreds and hundreds of cenotes 
in the Yucatan, and they're all connected to the same water source, all of them. So as you're, you, we were in a pool of water that was five foot deep um, and probably 30 by 30, this big area. And there's no light, just the light that's coming in from this hole that the whole time I keep thinking, I hope that hole don't close because <laughs> now we live down here. And we're looking at the water is clear. It's so pretty. You're seeing the rocks underneath there and everything. And in the corner, there's a big black hole. And I said, what's that? And they go, well, that goes down underground to the other cenotes or whatever. And I go, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not standing anywhere near. I mean, in my head, there's something. Somebody flushes the toilet. We all go down that hole, <laughs> and I'm going somewhere. I'm not no part of that. Nope. I was just. I was. I was fine to stand right by the steps going down. <laughs> you know, speaking of looking up something, I want to mention this. This is slightly off base here, but it was something in the chat that is an interesting little tidbit here from Ben six six six, aptly named. He says in the UK. A few hospitals had an optical illusion put into emergency rooms, something that could only be seen from the ceiling, to see if anyone having an out-of-body experience could see it. No one has ever reported seeing it. An interesting tidbit there. The old out-of-body experience. I'm surprised, yeah. actually, about that. That's your NHS dollars at work right there. Hey, listen, there's nothing wrong <laughs> with that boat. I don't have any problem at all with someone trying something like that. Uh, you know, it's kind of neat. It's a, it, uh, it's kind of an interesting thing to to, uh, put, to put into a hospital like that. Um, well, geez, you know, fellas, we've been going here for a couple of hours. Uh, I had a lot of fun uh, uh, tonight. This is was a really enjoyable uh, set of shows this year for me personally. I really, it's by far my favorite season of conversations from the dark side. Uh, I want to thank uh, everyone that sent in uh, the little clips and stories and said stuff in chat. I just love that. That's really what we want the show to be about is to just because really the best storytellers uh, are the people whom we haven't met who have stories we haven't heard. And those are the ones that, that when you share those with everybody, it's it's a joyous thing. I wanna, with that, we'd like to bring on the chud. That's right. Bring on <laughs> Come the chud. On I want to say uh, <laughs> a special thanks to Boat who sat in for the whole duration. I hope you didn't get too scared, Boat. No, man. No, man. I'll probably get scared after we're done, though. Any Halloween thoughts <laughs> before we uh, move on? I guess I'll not. I need the razor blades. There you go. Now, <laughs> I also want to thank uh, our good buddy, uh, the co-host, Conversations with the Dark Side, the little engine that could, Rob Flacco here. Rob, I'm so happy that you uh, uh, shared the experience with me this year. Uh, and uh, we had a, I think we had a pretty good time. I know I did. Uh, do you have any final uh, Halloween thoughts to lay on the people? Boy, you know, uh, I, it's been a, a fun participating in the shows. Um, and I think that um, one of the, the best things for me is that I get as much out of them as, as we put into it. You know, it's fun, like, sharing all those uh, horror movies, what we talked about, uh, horror movies and scary movies. But you mentioned a lot that I hadn't seen. You mentioned uh, the, um, what was it, the Tales of the Unexpected show, yeah. the uh, Roald Dahl, uh, which I've been watching. Those that, That's something I'd never heard of, you know. So that's that's um, the most uh, fun for me. You know, like I said, it's, uh, it's telling stories and sharing stories like that, but also, uh, you know, hearing the stuff that you guys have. So, um, yeah, I will be, um, 
looking for, you know, now I, I think a lot of times, like, um, sometimes in life we don't, um, we don't seek out things. We just get to a point in life where we just let life happen to us, you know? And so now that I know if we are going to do this again next year, um, uh, that's going to be my goal. Maybe I'll, I'll find some haunted hotels. Maybe I'll go find another cave. Maybe yeah. I'll find some other stuff to do, we'll do it out between now and next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Year. I don't, I don't know if I just, I wouldn't get on a boat. Let's put it that way. You better hope those dudes are floating around or you're going to hit something. <laughs> you know, Hey, uh, uh, listen, thanks again. I want to thank everybody, uh, uh, for, who have been downloading the show, listening in podcast form. We appreciate you guys. We've had a real good success this year. It's a stunningly good success. And lastly, I want to wish everyone a happy and safe Halloween, if if that's your bag. Uh, when you're listening to this, the the, uh, the holiday will be upon us. Uh, trust me, go out, take your kids, take them door-to-door, get some candy, watch some scary shows, tell them a ghost story. Uh, because uh, this is the spice of life, you know, it really is. And I think that uh, this is a great way to sh- spend time with your loved ones, your the kids, or ask your uh, mother and father, your grandfolks, about their uh, haunted past. And you may be pleasantly surprised with uh, what they've seen and heard. Uh, it'll be a good time, and it's a good bonding exercise if anything else. Uh, that's all I got, everybody. Uh, on behalf of the boys... Have a happy Halloween, and we'll catch you next year on Conversations from the Dark Side. You have just experienced Conversations from the Dark Side. Until next week, try to enjoy the daylight.